Attention bobsled riders! You will soon be embarking on a thrilling podcast down the icy slopes of the Matterhorn. So please remain seated keeping your hands, arms, feet and legs inside the bobsled at all times. Auf Wiedersehen! Hello Yodlers! We are the Matterhorn Yodlers. I am your host, Jathith. And I am with... Jackie. And... I'm Bob Chapek! Now it's Peter. Oh my gosh, what an honor. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I heard Peter wasn't here today. So I wanted to be a part of the show. Now it's Peter. It's Peter. It's Peter. <laughs> Peter Paycheck. <laughs> All right, so Peter's cl- clued you into what we're discussing. We're talking about... Bob the, Chapek. No, we're talking about, <laughs> talk about everything we hate about Bob Chapek. Starting in alphabetical order. <laughs> a. <laughs> absent at everything. No. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> sorry. Ruined your intro there. Yeah, we're, 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 see, we're talking about the men who lead the company, or don't lead, according to Peter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we've got that recent change, you know, within the last year. JPEG mm-hmm. has now, now that... Um, Iger has officially, he's no longer even a part of the board anymore. Yeah. It's all eyes on JPEG now. Yep. So he's leading the company now. And, you know, I, I we've, you know, it, it's fascinating because we grow up different eras, like, you know, the start of the company. Walt was the leader of this, this company. His name's on it. And then it's like, okay, who leads the company after him? Right. And then after that, and, you know, as people who know the history, you know, there's good times, and then the company starts to decline, and then someone comes in and brings it up, and they get stale, and then somebody else comes in and change. And in order for this company to survive, it's the theme is you have to innovate yes. and get back to the roots mm-hmm. of animation. That's just like, that's what gets you going. I mean, you see it throughout history of the Disney parks and their leadership is like, you see the highs, and then you see the lows, and you're like, what brought it up to the high? Innovation. Yep. Yep. Always. Every single time. Taking risks. And, and, and so we're going to talk about some of the, the, the individuals that uh, were part of those highs and lows, and what they were doing, and uh, we'll bring this up with, like, right after Walt's death, because we've talked about Walt and what he's done, but what, what's happened after Walt? Peter will be going yes. into that, and followed by Jackie with Michael Eisner, and I'll, I'll kind of finish off with uh, Bob Iger, mm-hmm. and we'll leave Bob out of this, because he's still new. He's still new. There's plenty more for us to write he's, about his he, biography yeah. he's later. Just, he's just starting at a low. He, well, yeah, I yeah. will say there is bad timing with his start, but yes. his track record prior was not very good either. But that's besides the point. Peter is a big opinion. I actually have a quote from Mike Leiser uh, who hired Bob Chapek. Yes, Yes, towards the end of Eisner, which we'll talk about that. That's not always a high point right there. Um, Okay, so Peter. Yes. Walt has passed, and who takes over? Uh, Walt's brother comes back. Uh, He comes back out of retirement uh, to help uh, finish... Walt Disney's dream of Walt Disney World and uh, honestly Roy was prepared to go all the way to his death which he did he really did he mm-hmm. basically he passed away 
as soon as Walt Disney World was dedicated. Just it's like a, six months afterward? No, just like a couple months. Like yeah. It was dedicated in October, and he passed away in December. So, like, literally, like, he gave his all for his brother's legacy. Um, so, props to Roy. I'm not going to dwell too much on Roy, because... His connection is very tied with Walt's. So yeah. and he was more business. He was he, the business mind. He was the, the numbers guy. Yes. Yeah. He, he dealt with the banks. Yes. Walt dealt with the imagination. Yes. Uh, so then that led into uh, the next direction. So like Disney had to move forward, right? They lost the Disney brothers. They were gone. And so they pulled in Don Tatum, which was basically Roy's right-hand man, uh, handling a lot of the finances at the time. So a little bit of history about Don Tatum. Not much. Uh, <laughs> literally, I tried looking his information up on the Disney wiki, and he doesn't even have his own page. The closest thing I got for information on him on there was that he was a CEO of Disney. <laughs> that was it. So I had to go other sources. To he find. was a very private man. Right. <laughs> right. So he went to school uh, to Stanford. He was a lawyer and practiced entertainment law as of 1938. Um, he didn't join the Disney company until 1956. So Definitely towards the end there. Um, so about 10 years before Walt's death is when he joined it. Uh, and he was hired on as, as Disney's production business manager. And then from there, he kind of worked with uh, Roy, working the numbers. And so when Roy passed away, the board all felt that like it should go to Don because he worked more closely with Roy. It just shows you how unprepared they were. For they were like, not prepared. They were not prepared for the, not... the handing over of power in this situation. Yeah. No. And so, but they also grabbed Card Walker to kind of help him on the creative side. So, like, Don handled more of the business and Card handled more of the creative. Uh, and this kind of sparked an interesting time period for the Disney company as a whole. So we have this point where like Walt Disney came and he was dreaming of bigger and better things and then Walt passed away and, they're, and they kind of moved forward with the mantra of what would Walt do? Which is exactly opposite of what Walt would do. <laughs> <laughs> Walt would not be like, hmm, what am I doing that's making me successful? Let's just keep doing that only. Yeah, right. He was always pushing the boundary, doing something new, great. Uh, so literally during Don Tatum and even Card Walker, which I'll talk more about here in a second, you saw just in their films, it was the same sort of films that Walt Disney was making. And you got to keep in mind, like, this is like, you know, 60s into the set, like the 70s. This was the rise of blockbuster movies. They were starting to get more. Yeah. And so like Disney's movies were falling apart. They weren't really investing too much into the theme parks. America was changing, too. Yes. I mean, you have the mm -hmm. late 60s. People are going to the moon. You know, you have uh, mass protests with the Vietnam War. Every time America goes to war, it, it changes. changes entertainment. Oh, it totally does. You know, there's there's just a very real one they talk about in World War One and then World War Two. They say World War Two changed 
how Hollywood worked. You know, they said that the Golden Age was pre-World War II. After that, you know, you have television coming, so you have different things coming into fruition. And, and yeah, I could definitely see, you know, it, it lagging. If you're continuing to do what you did in the, you know, 50s and 60s, it ain't going to work in the 70s Correct. and 80s. And, and that's what they're running into. Like, and, and for the one, one thing that I think Disney fans want to see more of now is that, you know, they didn't bump prices. They didn't raise prices for their theme parks. They kind of kept it pretty stagnant to where it was when both Disneyland and Disney World opened in terms of how much it cost to get in. I'm sure a lot of Disney fans are like, bring it back to $60. That would be great. <laughs> I remember when they were $40. Right. <laughs> um, and so, like, they weren't really, like, growing. And so instead they were, they decided he would just focus on certain things that... Uh, Walt Disney was working on so they worked on like Space Mountain that was a big one that Walt was kind of working on in the meantime um, and then Don helped start the pa the pathway for Epcot as well as Tokyo Disney um, so uh, he stayed on to about 1976 and then brought in his his replacement which was Card Walker um, so a little bit about Card Walker he went to UCLA he worked for Disney for a long time. He started in 1938, so back Snow White's time. Well, uh, he worked back in the mailroom. So, like this, this guy, like Monsters Inc. Uh, started in the mailroom. He, mail he literally was a mailroom to CEO guy. Wow, so, that's great. Uh, he worked in the mailroom in 1938 till uh, 1941 to to 1941. He ended there uh, working in the camera department as well as the unit manager for short, short subjects. Um, and then World War II came, and he enlisted into the Navy. Um, and then he came back to Disney uh, after that, and then eventually rose to become the VP of Advertising and Sales in 1956. So the same time Don Tatum came on, Card Walker came on, uh, pretty high up there. Uh, and then in 1960, he got put on the board of directors, 1966 he became the vice president and the COO with Don Tatum and then from 1976 to 1983 uh, he was the CEO and uh, again very similar mindsets what would Walt do you saw the the things come in for like Big Thunder Mountain um, he gets credited for Disney Channel um, but I would not give him credit. That would go to the next CEO, I would say. But uh, again, it was. Well, that's when cables start really coming in. Right. You got like ESPN popping up and HBO. Right. Around that time period, I can see that. And so this this mindset of what would Walt do kind of set Disney up in a dangerous position, um, jumping into the eighties here. Um, you know. The, their the, their movies were doing horrible because they weren't comparing to the likes of Star Wars and things like that. Like they weren't pulling in the money like they used to, and their so quality the, was right not that great. It, 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 again, it was about the same quality that you saw back in the sixties, and that's not what they you want to see. Xeroxing things, they started they, this week that they brought in Xerox machines to help with the process, and they got rid of more people out of animation. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, it was just. Disney was becoming less valuable and therefore was set up for a basic corporate takeover. Um, the events that transpired during Don and Card Walker's time period led to uh, Roy E. Disney, 
Roy's son, so Walt's nephew. Walt's nephew uh, he was on the board and he left because, like, he goes, "You guys are ruining everything. Like, I don't want anything to part of it." He actually came back during this whole fiasco where the Disney company almost was gone. It was sold and was almost sold to pieces uh, through yeah. Green Mail and a lot of other stock stuff. So it's, it had to all do about you know corporate buyouts and things like that. So. Uh, and that brings us into um, the last one I'm going to talk about, which is Ron Miller, who kind of took over after Card Walker, um, who had to handle that sort of stress here. A little bit about Ron Miller. He married uh, Diane Disney, which is Walt's daughter. Is like his, his only his biological, biological daughter. daughter yeah. Yes, because he adopted his other daughter. Um, he was drafted into the army in 1954. Uh, he was an athlete. He played uh, in the NFL for the LA Rams. Um, there's a funny story about that. So Walt only went to a couple of his games while he was in the NFL, and like he was very good uh, um, on the team, but he was also um, accident prone. Like he was always getting injured. Always. Talk about Ron Miller. Yes, Ron Miller. And Walt would see this. And, like, after that, he, he went to at least two of the games. On the second game he went to, he went up to Ron and said, Hey, I can't raise, I'm too old to raise my grandchildren. Why don't you come work for me? <laughs> and so he took him up on that. So he left the NFL and joined well, It wasn't Walt. like the NFL today where they have millions of dollars. Like, these right. guys, some of these guys had jobs mm-hmm. afterwards. Yes. Yes, correct. It, it wasn't the big multi-billion dollar industry that it is now. A non-profit industry, right? Right, <laughs> non-profit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when he got started, he kind of start, was the liaison between Wet Enterprises, which is what we know now as Imagineering, and Disneyland. So basically, he was their go-between anytime. Uh, someone needed to communicate from one side of the business to the other. So they uh, didn't hurt telephones yet. Right. <laughs> so that, that he, was, he was the... <laughs> I'm important. You need me. I've got people skills. That's how he started. But then Walt was kind of grooming him to become a film producer. And so he was a film producer for a variety of different films like Peach Dragon, Escape to Witch Mountain, Son of Flubber, Summer Magic, That Darn Cat. And that's where Walt was trying to go into more live action. Yes. Because animation was going down. Right. And there's actually a funny story. I think with, uh, I think it was 20th Century Fox at the time, um, they wanted Ron Miller to be an actor um, in a, to be in this role. I think he was in one movie. I forgot what movie it was. And then they wanted to, to do several other movies with him. And um, Walt convinced him not to do it. He says, no, no, no. You don't want to go down the actor route. You want to go down the producer route. And that's what led him down this, this road here. Um, so he became CEO through 83 to 84. So very, very short window. And he had most of the time he had to deal with this big corporate buyout. Um, I would recommend. I don't want to get into it here because it's not really, really good Disney discussion. It's more of like a stocks and things like that. So if you're really into that sort of thing, I would look up 
the Disney buyout of 84. I think it's... It's very interesting mm -hmm. when this comes up because it makes you think about, like, what would have happened? What would we have? We wouldn't have what we had today, we that's for sure. We would not have what we have today. Right. So, so he gets credited for Touchstone, Disney Channel, and using computer animation. And he also it. and he also brought in um, uh, I'm forgetting in Tim Burton. He helped bring Tim Burton into the company as well. Um, Ron Miller was definitely if there was a person that had the mindset of Walt Disney, it was Ron Miller. Like he understood like we need to push the boundary. Like we got the movie like The Black Hole, which did not perform well, but it was at least. Like movie, it was an attempt to become a blockbuster and not just another Herbie movie. Um, Herbie takes on the black hole. I don't know. That would have been. Really it was Herbie oh. four. Yeah, Herbie, Herbie four, four <laughs> against the black hole. Uh, let's keep that in mind. Um, so, like, like he did a lot of innovating and like he had a lot of passion. He he wanted to be a part of it. And after this whole corporate buyout situation. Um, with Roy E. Disney. Roy E. Disney did come back eventually and, you know, they all agreed to, like, try to figure out what they needed to do to uh, better the company and, you know, even Ron was on board with this and Ron gets told that he's getting fired. <laughs> and it said That's that what he, boards do. And they said that he did cry when he found out that they they were letting him go as the he CEO. He probably thought he was going to be like he was going to bring like it he out. He knew Walt yeah. and like Well, like like literally if you look at like what he did, what he brought in with Touchstone Disney Channel, computer animation, that literally pushed everything in terms of like the movies to the next level for Disney. Yeah, that set up Eisner to help it make Touchstone explode. It, because it pushed him yes. to like, okay, we've got this going. How do we fill this in? Right, because at that time Disney was only making family friendly stuff, and so when they made the when Ron decided to make Touchstone, it was a way for them to make more adult movies uh, without having to put the Disney name on it. Oh, rated film. That's right. Yeah. Which the big the big first big blockbuster, which uh, was Splash, which Eisner was obsessed with um <laughs> but that's another story for another time <laughs> but um yeah and that's that's sadly uh you know ron miller's story as ceo very brief unfortunate time period he did recently pass away within the last few years um his, his so. wife walt's daughter died she died of uh was it breast cancer I think so. yeah a fairly mm -hmm. you know uh couple decades ago it was, it yeah was, she died young so that's that's a that's a hard life and it's hard like you can see like you reach the top and then they're like hey guys you're gone like yeah. bye bye yeah and well a like, lot of right, people, what do i do now a lot of people look down on ron because they felt he was there because of nepotism of course and so there was that element of that's probably it. why roy was like i can't do this because i don't I've got the name, and it looked like I've done pulled the strings right but i will say if it wasn't for roy e disney we probably would not have the Disney company. We would not be having the Matterhorn Yodelers no, discussion. I don't think um, so. so. As, as negatively as some people are about Roy, he did do, he, you know, he kept the company going. He did. Yeah. And that's, that's important. So that's, that's, that's my story up to now. Uh, 
Lead us yeah. into the next chapter, Jackie. Yeah, so we're in this, like, big transition of, like, where Disney is becoming very, I would say big. It exploded. And during during Eisner's, Michael Eisner's era. During yes. Eis- Michael Eisner's era, Disney exploded. And so going back to Michael Eisner's history, can you guess what he majored in in college? Law. Peter? <sighs> I wasn't. I don't remember. Just guess. I, I'll say like television, entertainment, something. English literature and theater. Oh, okay. And so you just, I don't know, just hearing that, I'm like, English literature oh, his, and theater. His dad was a lawyer. That's what it mm. was. It's just interesting that he was a CEO of Disney. And so it's just like, don't let your degree limit you. That's what I learned. Yeah, with Bob, he mentioned, he's like, yeah, I went to school, and that's it. Like, he doesn't mention anything about his schooling is like I, I, you know I learned a lot I, I learned as much as I could and I moved forward I got yeah. a job yep um, so Eisner got internship through uh, the entertainment industry through like NBC um, and stuff and he got a job in ABC and kind of worked his way up and uh, basically helped save ABC. It was like number four in the television market. And ABC wasn't a part of Disney at this time. No, this was before, and he brought it up to number one. So he helped, uh, uh, he was a specialist in like daytime and like uh, morning, morning, daytime and morning TV. Um, And then he then was hired on by Paramount Pictures um, to kind of help that. Who was their CEO, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was the CEO of Paramount Pictures, and then after Paramount Pictures, he was hired on by the Disney Company. Um, in nineteen eighty four, he became the chairman and CEO of Disney with Frank Wells. Which, again, like there was there's that's a interesting story right there about because there was a lot of back and forth between because it was basically down to to Frank Wells. And Eisner as to who was going to be the CEO, and eventually I think Frank Wells came up with the idea and said like, "Listen, like I don't need to be C." Like they wanted them both to be like CEO together, and never Eisner was like, "No, I'm not doing that." He just want to do co-power. And eventually, yeah. like Frank Wells said, "Listen, like Eisner's really good here, and I'm really good here, so I'm okay with just being the money guy and he be yeah. the creative guy." And that was, like, the relationship. Frank was the money guy. He was the business guy. And Iser was the face of the company. Oh, yeah. He, he was part of my childhood right there. Yep, I mean... those shows on TV. Yep, he was... Uh, he did... Uh, brought back, like, what, Wonderful World of Disney. Yes. Uh, I remember... Was it Saturday or Sundays? Or Sunday was night. Yeah, Sunday night. You always had Disney movies. Angels in the end zone. Each <laughs> <laughs> double hockey sticks. Yes. Yep. Um, and it's just interesting. They're too dynamic, and I think they both balance each other out well. They were a perfect combo team. Yes. Um, they talk a little bit about that transition period um, in the, the Imagineers. Imag- so. Yeah, I watched it uh, recently just to kind of get caught up on the relationship and you know from the imagineering side they liked it because uh they talked about like frank was very innovative he liked the future he was willing to invest in 
technology and stuff to make a better future. And right. Eisner was, I think he liked the show of it, the fun of it yes. all, and he was all for that. And so you have two guys coming in with a lot of dreams and hope for the company. Some good energy. Yeah, well, it was a great energy. As, as I stated before, like when I'm talking about the three prior, they didn't really focus in on the parks. Like they did a couple things, like they did the big projects. They did they Epcot the project, yeah. and they did Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And then they cut off all and those And that was it. Like they, they just they just like, okay, we've invested enough money in this, we're, we're, we're done. Uh, which kind of put all those people out and then that transition happened and they're all thinking that they're gonna get fired But all of a sudden it's like no, we're gonna make you grow. Yeah, yeah. And so that kind of goes into like some of the good that came um, through Eisner. I mean Eisner uh, 1984 is when he started and so you got to think all the movies Beauty and the Beast, Lion King uh, he brought about the rise of the uh, animation renaissance. Yeah. The Disney renaissance yeah, the of renaissance animation. Period, yeah. I mean, I think he definitely helped contribute and saved Disney animation, bringing in good... He, he built it up, and then he killed it. <laughs> it's interesting. We'll get, we'll, get to, we'll get to that. Hey, yeah. you did such a great job. You're fired. We're sending your job to Japan. Right. <laughs> Little Mermaid 3, do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there was a lot of good in the 80s, early 90s. Um, I got the Disney decade. Yeah. Which was, you know, that was the big pitch, which Eisner sometimes gets flack for because there was a lot of things promised that didn't come about because of the, di uh, in the Disney decade. But we got a ton of expansion, especially at Walt Disney World during that time yeah. period. I mean, yeah. we got two theme parks because mm -hmm. I think he announced the Disney decade at the opening of the MGM so I'll consider that part of it uh, uh, that we have Animal Kingdom they had it like was it like 10 or 12 resorts oh yeah the resorts came in all over the place water parks downtown Disney district you know like yeah so uh, Hollywood Studios Animal Kingdom came in he developed cruise ships, yep. water parks, all of those things. And then, you know, he went to Europe. He went to Disneyland Paris. He did Paris. In which they invested a lot of money in Paris. And I've been there. It is a beautiful park. The castle is beautiful. I think they're, they're, they're headline because all of them have different headlines. So I think Disney World Paris is the most beautiful place on earth. Yeah. I think that one's theirs. Which, from what I've seen, I haven't been there, but from what I've seen, it does, they, they definitely took artistic liberty and made that thing gorgeous. And, like, Eisner gave the Imagineers that freedom and, like, really pulled in some big names of, like, artists and such. Um, but then... I think Eisner, and he kind of talks about this in the Imagineering special of, like, he did not expect, he was expecting Florida crowds and Florida people to come in Paris, but he was like, that was foolish thinking. They, they didn't take in a cultural nope. experience. Yeah. Like, you know, the French people aren't... They have castles. They have real ones. Yeah. They're not amusement park people. Well, and they also didn't sell... At, at opening, they didn't sell alcohol in the park, which 
for the for the people in France, that's a big deal. Like, oh, absolutely! Could, you can't even walk down the streets without bumping into bottles of like empty wine on it's, the street. It's just it's, it's just true. part of the culture. When like I just remember in Paris, I just see, hear someone empty out like a restaurant empty out garbage, and it's just glass bottles of you know that was alcohol. It's just a, a lifestyle there, um, and so. And they built this, like, uh, huge hotel and... Um, beautiful hotel. Beautiful hotel, very expensive hotel. It was running, like, 60% occupancy, which Gosh. that's not good in the industry. For a brand new theme park? No. So you're breaking even? <laughs> uh, probably not. <laughs> no, I believe they lost money. Yeah, I was like, you're losing money there. And so... And that was the kind of the beginning of the end for him. Like animation it was, was it start was, to sink. Well, that that is you can definitely take that as the catalyst of like the fall of Eisner. There's two parts. There was there was pa Disneyland Paris, and then there was the death of Frank Wells. Yeah, Frank Wells dies. Uh, helicopter crash. Crash. Terrible event. Um, and. All the pressure was now on Eisner at that point. And, and, the, and the thing is with those two relationships, how they explained it was uh, Eisner would just throw it out. Every idea, all ideas. He did. And Frank Wells would pick the good ones. <laughs> there, there, were some, there were definitely some creative ideas that Eisner put out there. How many people remember the Mickey Mouse fast food restaurant? Nope, I bet not. <laughs> no. Like there was there was just a lot of interest. Oh, do you guys do you guys heard of the Disney Institute? Yeah. Yeah. So the Disney Institute was this big idea that Eisner had and he wanted this to become a thing at Disney World because he knew not everyone who wanted to go on a vacation wanted to do theme parks. So he came up with an alternative uh schooling education where you could learn how to bake or do animation or things like that at Disney World if you if you wanted to take a break or whatnot like it was all part of you know making Disney World your all-inclusive location. What'd you do at Disney World? I make bread. Uh, right, <laughs> right. But they would have like speakers and experts come out so like it was a cool thing it was a cool, cool idea mm. uh, but it just wasn't making it's enough It's not very money. marketable to people. Um, and eventually I think it became resort did it become? Was it the Saratoga? Probably. I think it was the Saratoga Very Springs. obscure one that's out there. Yeah, so like that used to be the yeah. Disney Institute. and uh, So, yeah. Th th there was a lot of interesting ideas that, that came about during Eisner's era. Um, but, so, Eisner's going on. He's, some of the companies in his, uh, when he was CEO, that he, uh, acquired was ABC. Yeah, that was from Capital one. City. That was huge. Yeah, that it was I, seventeen. Oh, nineteen point five billion dollars in ninety five. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Because when Bob Iger takes over, the company's worth twenty five billion. So it shows you how much oh, of yeah. ABC, ESPN, like all those, all that falls under there. Mm -hmm. You know, contributes to the Disney. You know, yes. worth at that time. 
Uh, and then you also have uh, the Fox family, which is now known as Freeform, which is like the ABC family. 25 days of Halloween. 25 days of Christmas. It's April. Yeah. <laughs> it's Christmas in July, so we're going to show you Christmas movies all month long. You know? I have to see Hocus Pocus one more time. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's where you watch Hocus Pocus, that's for sure. Um, and then, of course, you've got the Muppet franchise, which I there acquired and we discussed almost yeah almost, almost acquired almost it in acquired. the early oh, yeah. 80s and then you know picked it off at the very end yes that kind of gets the the ball rolling for bob and like oh let's get the rights for these characters and stuff like yes. that let's get content and so uh he is now building other theme parks we know as California Adventure. We also have Hong Kong, uh, Disney, um, and then the, we have the second expansion at Euro Disney. Yeah. Which. All with, three. Yep. And <laughs> Eisner's idea was smaller theme parks. Yeah. Um, that was his idea would be better to have smaller theme parks basically half day parks um and, and for a while most of those were half day parks and the thing was with the euro expansion they had to do that expansion it was in their contract too um because if they didn't they would lose the land all together. i figure it was more of a land issue yep they would have to they would lose the land and so it was just kind of thrown together. I, I've been there. It's not that great. It's, it's small. It's, it's rough. Let's, it, let's hope their expansions that they're working on right now really revitalize that. It doesn't. You don't feel like you're in a park at all. Hmm. That's you're just backstage basically. There's no. <laughs> there's no weenie. Tower Terror is the closest weenie you have. Yeah. Because it is in the center of the park. Yeah. So. Um. And then you've got... But that Cal didn't happen until later. You've got the project of California Avenger going on at the same time as Hong Kong. Yes. Both with two different budgets. Yep. Um, and I'll tell you which one got cut. California Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> California Avenger's budget. California had the less budget. Um, they wanted to expand and kind of save Anaheim because... Before the surrounding of Disneyland was not great, very motelly, kind of run down. If you want to know what it looked like, drive down the 192 in Kissimmee in uh, in Florida. That's that's what it looked like. It was just like you see weird wizard shops and <laughs> yes. and like yeah. I, wizard oh. shops are like an icon of the area. <laughs> it's true. It's just like what's going so which on. Which one? There's two different wizards. <laughs> There's just like you get these side. <laughs> theme parks and you yes. get these run yeah it's just you get these like mini golf courses i think the know. mini golf one's gone now that got closed down there was like four or five yeah. on that road Ugh. but and so they wanted to kind of build a second park and kind of help this help <laughs> the city and help the park itself um which they came up with disney california adventure there was a lot of ideas floating around of course Tony Baxter wanted Westcott. Westcott, which honestly, I think that would have been a great idea. I I don't know. 
I don't know. Like, it's a great idea in theory, but I feel like it would turn into what's happening with Epcot right now. And I feel like that's not good either. So, I don't know. I don't know if Westcott would have worked. Just make it another world showcase. Yeah. So. But, so, the what the main thing with California Adventure was they didn't have as much money. Um, and so... The... You get the exciting ride of Superstar Limo. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> That's horrible. Yep. Superstar Limo. And... I wish I was on that ride with him and just to hear the words come out of his mouth. <laughs> like, before he sees, speaks to the press, he's like, that is garbage. <laughs> you should watch. So, like, they, they did a special when California Adventure. Yeah, they got, like, opened. the Drew Carey, like, yes. shell on there. So, like, they show them riding the ride. So and their faces, like, you could tell how bad the ride was just watching them. Because you have to see them try to act like it's exciting. They're right. like, oh, there's Drew. Oh. And you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> they're is, trying this so hard. <laughs> yeah, and so that was a kind of a failure of Disney California Adventure because people are like are you going to go to California Adventure or are you going to go to Disneyland everyone goes to Disneyland I mean I remember growing up California Adventure is a half day park yep. and they made it to be a half day park it was meant to be that um, but it wasn't a good half day park they were trying to get like, the locals to go there to, yeah. like, go to your state fair kind of yeah go get some food and... we serve alcohol here yeah yeah um, and so that kind of, I would say, put the nail in the coffin almost of the it, it left a sour note in everybody's mouth for Eisner. Uh, Eisner, I will give props to Eisner. He is definitely, like, in my eyes, I feel there's not one CEO that did more except for Walt for the Disney company except for Eisner. Yeah, Eisner true. did the most. Eisner had a rough patch towards the end, but you can't forget about his beginning. We wouldn't really, we wouldn't have the company. No. We, we wouldn't. wouldn't have had that animation period, you know, without he, that type of leadership. That he he saw the creativity, the innovation, and pushed forward for that. But there's a, there's a point where when you're in power too long, you know, people start... They're, they're starting to get be afraid to say no. Yeah. And the ego grows because there was a story where there was an interview where Michael's walking through one of the resorts. He's like, you see that lampshade? I picked that out. You know, <laughs> and it's just like, I remember like, what was it? Bob was saying like, yeah, that's great, but you don't need to tell them that you did that. Like, right. that just shows you like, okay, power's gone to your head because Michael is a very big micromanager type person and that was... Showing in that kind of statement of like, look at that lampshade on me, you know, like Ooh. it's true. And they talk about it, and they're like saying like Eisner was very involved. He was always like hanging out with the Imagineers, you yes. know what they're doing, and that's what they Walt would do. Yeah, he often was, he was in a sandbox. His and so, it's like, definitely like in my opinion, the closest we got to a Walt Disney replacement. Yeah, they they said one thing. Bob mentioned he goes. Uh, Michael's pessimism led to paranoia, then led to defensiveness, and then risk aversion, and that led to his undoing. And it really, like, you get worried, like, oh, no, I'm not doing this so well, and then you start pulling back, and that's the last thing you want to do is pull back in a company that innovates. And then it really, 
Like that, I think that led to his yeah. right there. And basically, I, I think Eisner knew that he was going to be booted out, and so he... He retired or left. He left well, on he his own because the board was meeting he, and yeah, like, he left a year before his contract ended. Yeah, he has like his last showing was Hong Kong and like that was like his last day and everyone was like, "Hey, Mike." <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Now it goes to that bro. that line from Batman where it's like, "You either die the hero or you live to see yourself become the villain." And, and he saw himself become the villain. He mm-hmm. become the villain. Yes. Okay, so are we ready for Bob? Yeah. All right. Sure Bob. Robert Iger. Um, a lot of this is driven from his book that just came out called The Ride of a Lifetime. I have now listened to this book twice. I listened to it yesterday entirely at three <laughs> times speed. So if I talk really, really fast, that's because that's how my mind works right now. Uh, no. He became CEO, and he was CEO for 15 years, just about. Um, he saw the company go from $25 billion to 256 billion yes inflation has gotten that bad folks no um (laughs) no he just he grew the company immensely um it may not be the same way creatively Mm -hmm. um quality movies not but he grew content and technology he basically set disney up to never go away yeah yeah He, he kept he kept it alive and such a quick moving society. And I'll talk a little bit like what, what goes on. So we'll go into his early life. He was born in Brooklyn. He grew up in Long Island. Dad's working class. His family's a working class. He's the older of two kids. Um, he says, well, I wasn't poor, but I didn't have a fancy life. No fancy vacations. I had a food, roof, and clothes. And so I wasn't poor, but I had love. And so... You know, as opposed to what Michael was, Michael grew up in upper middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Bob's dad, he was a learner, taught him the importance of reading and being aware of the world. Dad was a music, <laughs> he was a musician, a trumpet person, but he started his career in marketing. Um, dad wanted them to really impose on having goals and using his time and using their time to focus on those goals. His relationship with his mother. Um, his mother relied on him to fix problems around the house and so he built a curiosity with technology and how things work I was like well that's kind of important later that's really going to serve him and Bob never worried about the future he had no problem just trying and failing and determining not to live life in the past or with disappointment so that really drives him he's like we're going forward that's just how it goes I'm not scared of what's going to happen and you know, as I go into some of his accomplishments, it really is like how he goes. Um, so before Disney, like he goes off to school, he goes to Ithaca. He doesn't really focus on his education. He wasn't big in like high school. He just worked. He had multiple jobs. He was just hustling to make money. And, you know, he had a really strong work ethic going into his job, uh, starting up ABC TV News. He wanted to be a TV news anchor, but he wasn't really good at it. Nope. Uh, so his first job, he was doing like, he was like a stage manager where he's doing whatever needed to happen with the stage, like moving sets and moving things around. Um, he said he had a good interaction where he got to meet Frank Sinatra where he needed, Frank Sinatra really needed Listerine. He needed mouthwash. And so he <laughs> ran, it was down in Madison Square. He went get the, the mouthwash and, you know, knocks on the door and he's like, I've got his Listerine. And the guy's like, who are you? And Frank goes like, come on in, you know. And he got to meet Frank Sinatra, and he gave him a $100 bill. And 
he got a lighter later that night everyone did and he was just amazed at like the perfection that Frank was trying to achieve with the show like he saw them go through the run through and they completely changed it like and it got done and so that mentality of like seeking perfection um, he learned a really good lesson there uh, he gets in trouble with one of the managers there because he sees some people like skimming stuff off the top and so he's just like this isn't right and so he eventually transfers over to ABC Sports gets lots of great experience good mentors um, he learned from a uh, guy uh, Rune his mentor taught him uh, show was everything exhaust all means just get it done um, do what you need to do to make it better was the mantra that he got from it I was like well that's a pretty good one to have mm -hmm. um, one of his stories he got was he had to get the rights to film the ping pong tournament in North Korea <laughs> and at the time America was not allowed in North Korea the nope. State Department was like no you can't like give them money do anything and so somehow Bob got other people to give money to them like State Department's like, yeah, it'd be great if you do it, but you can't give me any money. And it's like, how can I go in someone's country and be like, I'm gonna film ping pong here without giving someone money there? Right. But somehow he got it done, and so he just was known as a person of getting things. He was resourceful. He was. He just got it done, by all means, and so that really helped him progress in the company, to the point where he got put into daytime TV. And then he was put into ABC Entertainment, where he was just like, let's just go. And so you get, like, uh, different shows that didn't do so well. But uh, he gave, like, George Lucas's uh, Young Indiana Jones. Yep. That was on ABC. That was under his watch, which would help him later on on the road, dealing with George. I mean, I love the Young Indiana Jones series. It just wasn't popular. It didn't last very long. Um you got NYPD. So he took risk. Like, NYPD was like an R-rated TV show. Yeah. And you're going to put this on daytime TV? You're nuts. And he's like, we got to do something to compete with, like, HBO. And um, But he did it. And eventually gets to the point where he's running ABC. And then ABC is bought out um, by Disney. And so he goes to, like, Michael. And he's like, okay, this is how everything goes. And, like, like I said, the worth of what ABC is bringing to Disney, it's... It was quite large. It's quite large. And he goes, like, oh, this is how everything works. Because usually when a merger happens, you get somebody that you know to take over the department. He's like, uh, I can't deal with that. I got my own business. I got parks and stuff. This is 95. You need to do this. And so, like, so basically he makes him, like, CEO of the company and running eventually in Disney. How oh, was it? 2000. So he's learning under Michael. He's like, basically, like, we're trying to groom you, but we're not giving, because Michael's not going to be like, you're no. going to be my successor. Yeah. Because Michael, at this point, is getting a little, like, yes. this is the paranoia, and you don't want to be like, here's my number two. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, really? What do you have to say? <laughs> That's nice, Michael. What are you going to be like? You don't want that to happen. Right. Well, it does eventually happen. It leads to that paranoia. Um, Michael steps down. And so he's getting interviewed, and... He has to get a political campaign person. So we wouldn't even think you're like you're applying for a job. You don't think you need like a political campaign manager to get a job, but it was what he needed mm -hmm. because he doesn't have that mindset. He's he's always said, like just get the job done, you're good. You know, like no, yeah. you're dealing with other right. very successful mm -hmm. members on these boards, other CEOs of companies too, uh, on this board, 
And so he comes up with a plan, and I really like it. And so he goes about the future. Because that's what he wanted to focus. Because everyone's like, well, you work for Michael. You know, do I associate all the garbage with you with him? And you don't want to trash the guy. want to be classy. Mm -hmm. He goes, no, we're talking about the future. And he goes, first, we're going to build high brand content. Two, embrace technology to the fullest and create and distribute to reach other people. And the third step is to become a global company. And so... Keep that in mind as I talk about everything that he does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this yes. point he had to convince 10 board members uh, to give him the job. He eventually gets the job. He does have a story where the process is so arduous, and this guy keeps asking the same question, and at just one point he goes like, I've already answered that question three times. And he's just like, he talks to the manager, he's like, so how'd it go? And he's like, yeah, he probably... She probably shouldn't have lost your cool not the best friend. He's like, I'm so tired of this. Because it's just like a long process and the company right. needs it's the to move it. forward. Because you always get the little people. So after he gets a job, the first thing he has to do is make amends with Roy. Because Roy was like, he was trying to bring down the company. Like Comcast was coming down yeah. to buy out Disney. Mm -hmm. Like the cable company. So that would have been... That would have been crazy. Yeah, the, we would not have what we've gotten in the last 15 years if they've done no that. No way. For sure. It would have been killed. So Roy had to make amends with Roy's. And this is where Bob really succeeds. He is a people's person yep. when dealing with big egos. And he made amends with Roy and be like, hey, this is how we're doing it. This is what we're going. I want you to be a part of it. You know, because Michael kicked him out because of you can't be on the board if you're older than 72. Like, yeah. He did ageism to the fullest on this yes, guy. Yes, he did. He's like, nope, we want you gone. And like, Michael, yeah, he, he burned a lot of bridges, especially. Mm -hmm. You know, so once he makes amends with Roy, he's got to start creating content. He's got to build things. And he sees what he goes to the party. He's like, where are the movie characters in the last, like, 10 years? Nobody. You're seeing what, what's been done in the past. And he's just like, okay, we need content. And it's like, well, we need Pixar because Michael really burned that bridge with Steve Jobs and like, yep. yeah. like threatened to like, well, we've got two more movies and we can do as many sequels as we want. So we could have had like Toy Story 25, like according to Michael. And like, well, that's what he was going to do. I remember back when I was applying for the college program back in 2006, right? They showed a video of like everything that they're working on. And they showed Toy Story 3. And Disney didn't own Pixar at this point. And, like, Toy Story, like... Toy Story 3 didn't happen for another, like... 2010. So, yeah. like, another four more years. Yeah. So, like, the Toy Story 3 that they were telling me that they were working on was not the Toy Story we got. Oh, no. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, no, no. So, around 2006, this is the time where... Uh, um, Michael sees the right on the wall is like our animation studio sucks yeah. like we need to do something yeah. we need to jumpstart this he's like Pixar's doing well this is what they're doing and he's like I just need to reach out to Steve Jobs Steve Jobs was the owner of of Pixar he bought it from George Lucas and he was the one in charge and Michael just like he was trying to force something with Steve Jobs and like Steve Jobs don't play that way and nope. Steve Jobs like nope fine we'll take our business somewhere else you're not going to bully us around um, and so um, Bob just kind of wants to build a friendship with him at first and 
just met up with them and Steve's like, hey, I've got this new iPod. You can play videos. It's like the size of a wheat thin. You can watch videos. And he's like, yeah, but I don't really have any content. And, you know, right there, Bob's like, here, why don't you use some of ours? We got ABC. We got like Grey's Anatomy. We got this and that. And, or we got like Lost and what was the other show that was big? Alias. You know, that was the big oh, show yeah, back then. Yeah. Alias, yeah. right? And, so he's like, I like it. Just bold. You just like out there. And he's like, I don't need to get like think tank because like that was one thing Bob did. He got rid of like the think tank that was slowing down. Yes. Disney's mm-hmm. like, no, we're gonna start. We're gonna do things to make it bold. And so that built up the friendship between him and Steve Jobs. And eventually, you know, like Bob was like all nervous to ask. He was like, oh, I, you know, like I, he told the board, he's like, we need to put in an offer for Pixar. Like, we need this. This is where our company. This is what we're doing, and this is what they're doing. And, like, it was funny because, like, they were making, the board was making fun of, like, they got a movie about a rat. Oh, well, that won't do any well. Like, and, like, I was like, no, it's really good. Like, I'm telling you, like, they're doing great things there. And so as he's driving home, he just calls Steve and he's like, hey, man, I want to buy Pixar. Like, can we do it? And Steve's like, wow, that's bold. Like, he's just like, you're just going to buy it? And he's just like, yeah, we just do this and that and this. And he's like, okay. Well, let's get together and think about it. Like, just, and this is also a time period. Also, Steve is also going through, Steve Jobs is going through health issues. Yes. Yeah. So he also will has to think about the what's going to happen. Because Pixar, <clears throat> is Pixar going to do as well without him? Because he's a major ego and thinking, like, look what happened with Apple. Like, Apple's yeah. doing great, but is it the same Apple? You know, it's not, you know, so. You also well, even think, now with Pixar, you're wondering, like, is, is Pixar it? still Pixar? And so he's got to wonder, you know, he has to think about his family's, like, wealth and legacy. Because, you know, yeah, Pixar stocks. Oh, that's great. Or would it be better to have it under Disney stock? Like, a name that's been around for almost 100 years. Right. And a name that's already associated with your brand. So mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, let me make lots of money right. <laughs> with this deal that, you know, my return on investment's great. So it all works out. You know, he, he buys it, gives them board, they agree. Um, there was a lot of like reassurance of like we're not going to change your culture. You do you and right. make us money. All yeah. right? right, make us money. That was you're great. That was something that Iger Iger did really well. Was most most of his acquisitions were very hands off. Like yeah. it says, we bought you, but you keep doing you. Like, we bought you because we like what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna. Incorporate you under the umbrella. Right. So he buys them $7.4 billion. A lot of money. Then they're like, okay, what else do we need to buy? How about Marvel? Yeah. That happens in 2009. That. Reaches out. Uh, Michael, uh, let's see. Um, right here. Uh, so the CEO of Marvel was owned by a prior Israeli military guy named Ike. And he's kind of aloof and like kind of hard to. And so. Bob had to use his magic and work with them, and and eventually he got them to sell, basically going like, hey, we're going to make you movies. We're going to take this to the next level, and told them the timeline with the movies. And like other CEOs from other companies are like, that's so stupid. You're going to make superhero movies out of these characters? You don't even have Spider-Man. Right. Oh, boy. How about yeah. how about some of that crow right there? You mean like, that? <laughs> oh yeah, Iron Man. Iron Man's not going to be a successful yes. franchise. Yeah, because all that was out there was Iron Man. It's like that's or oh, you're going to make one with Captain America and like Thor. Oh yeah, well that wasn't a great movie, but <laughs> but like 
look at what we have, like, of all those, like, things, movies that have come out, like, in the last ten years. Yeah. And all the movies industries, like, everyone would say, like, it's Marvel. It's yep. the Simpsons of the 90s. It's the, the time period of movies. It's like, everyone's going to say, oh, Marvel was the one that dominated the You see, the like, DC trying to be like Marvel, and the, it's Well, not. you're like, that's cute in a very dark, scary <laughs> yes. way. Go see, back to your corner. <laughs> DC, the, the problem with the DC universe that they tried to do is that they tried to rush it. Yeah. Like, whereas, like, we waited, what, like, five, six years before we hit the first Avengers. Yeah. Whereas, like, they, they like... Oh yeah, remember that Superman movie we made like ten years ago? That's part of it. And we we'll... sneezed and go like, "Oh, we're a, we're a team now." And we're like, "Oh, oh okay, this is the thing." Exactly. Who's and that it was guy? Like, oh, who's that Aquaman guy? Aquaman suddenly appeared. So did Wonder Woman. We got a cyborg dude here. <laughs> exactly. It was just kind of like all of a sudden rush. Which honestly, I've yet to see any of those movies. I, I, I uh, no, I have seen. Uh, I did see Aquaman. I saw Spider-Man. No, not Spider-Man. I saw Superman versus Batman, which I'm like, why would they fight? This is so stupid. I don't like My it. favorite scene is that when Superman man slaps like <laughs> Batman. And I go, yes! <laughs> so eventually Marvel, he convinced him. He's just like, hey, this is how we're going to like build this in and the acquisition. And he, so um, they, made, they bought that on $4 billion. Okay, next step. What's the next thing? Star Wars. Star Wars. That's a big um, one. So, yeah. So, to go That's... into someone's baby right there. Isn't that, isn't that like George an Lucas. entire chapter just on, like... It, yeah, each of these are their own little chapter. Yeah, George is was... like, you're going to ask someone going, hey, I want your universe. Okay. Right. You have to give it to me. <laughs> no, 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 I made that. That's mine. Like, everything about it is his. And so, that was the big thing is schmoozing him. Again, good rapport back in ABC where he's like, hey, I'll... I'll do your young Indiana Jones, which was another crown or another jewel in his crown of of content that he made, and and so he was favorable with Bob in that way. Um, sold him the dream of Walt uh, of what Disney could do with the universe. Um, started with like, okay, this is you know what George wanted was Pixar price. Yeah, and they're like, well, we'll cool your jets. <laughs> like. There's a lot of movies there, and there's this own thing, and they're on their own technology. You, you've got, you know, you got sound. You have ideas. <laughs> you've got Lucas sound. sound or Skywalker was it? Skywalker? Yeah, Skywalker sound. Yeah, so you you got some stuff, but like you got one universe, and so like they eventually talk to goes, but George's like, I don't want anything less than Marvel. So okay, so they eventually sell for four billion dollars. George. You know, was trying to go like, hey, I'll sell you Star Wars, but I want to be part of it, but I don't want to be an employee. And this is where you start seeing That's George where you saw the out. conflict. You see conflict, but at that point, George signed it, and George has made some conf like some like statements about it. It's it's it, it was it was definitely messy. Yes. Um. To see but some, the yeah. thing is like it's like Mary Poppins. It's, it's like that situation. Yeah, oh, it totally is. It's it's hard to like be on George Lucas's side for what he was asking. It's yeah. like I, you guys can pay for everything. I just want to be able to control everything. It's like that's ooh, basically what George Lucas yeah, yeah, wanted. Yeah. And then it was like, no. no, that's not how this is gonna work. This is a B. Aliens <laughs> like ours. Yeah. Um, but. You know, to a lot of credit, with what Disney has done, a lot of the fans are going, I wish you let George do it. You right. Know? As I much stuff know. as the prequels as he's gotten, 
the prequels have come back and resurgence and everyone he did a masterpiece with it you it's know? like no Attack of the Clones is still the it's worst it's still movie. the worst yeah. one but the content in the universe built in there I think that's what Star Wars fans really appreciate about it yes but then when you get like the sequel trilogy everyone's all like we're missing something like the, substance the, the thing that where Disney fell flat in my opinion when it came to dealing with episodes 7, 8, 9 was that they they made it this is the end yeah and because you made it like this is the end of the Skywalker saga you kind of like you, you put yourself in a box and that's why we find ourselves in the situation with episode 9 where it felt like it was like this could have been two movies yeah yeah. you know um, they, and yeah the biggest problem where those movies were story yes it, yes and like George had a story and there's a, there were rumors recently where they're like Disney was going to kind of like oh that's one universe here's George's Star Wars the multi universe of Star Wars <laughs> yes the multiverse Star Wars uh, yeah oh we went into light speed and oh no <laughs> the Millennium Falcon's here yeah, yeah I mean there's with new technology as we've seen in the Mandalorian where you can you know, make people look younger. We saw Moff Tarkin, you know, who's dead, show up in a movie. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I didn't, people were like, I look cheesy. And it's like, yeah, we all know it's cheesy because he's dead. He's not there. <laughs> he's not there, but it was so good. It was, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, when, when Rogue One came out, like, Carrie Fisher hadn't died yet. Yeah. But, like, seeing young Carrie Fisher, it's like, yeah, you know it's computer generated, but, like, it's still cool to yeah. see her young. And again. we didn't go like, oh, you know, why didn't she act there? Because you would be like... Thanks for the plans. <laughs> it's like, whoa, we, whoa. We have hope. Oh, I missed you. <laughs> oh, why did you leave me? <laughs> Your smoky voice is too much for I do not approve this impersonation. <laughs> You watch, you watch it, and like that first time I heard her voice, I was like, "Dang, man, Carrie, get off the cigarettes!" My goodness, Ugh. it was like, is Chewie speaking or is Lance? No, sorry, I'm defaming someone that is no longer with us. I appreciate the Star Wars movie we got. Okay, so we move on to Star Wars. They make the deal, um, so we go into Fox. You know, he wasn't seeking. To buy Fox, but Robert Murdoch, he was going through some legal issues. He, you know, he was friends with Bob, not through politics. Um, no, nope. for sure, Bob nope. was very liberal with his with his um, thing. And it starts off with like, "Hey, man, are you running for office?" Like back in 2016, Bob Iger was considering, you know, running yeah, I for it. Hearing about mm-hmm. that, there were some uh, rumblings, and he was preparing himself for that. So Robert Murdoch, the owner of Fox News and like Fox and all that, that the Empire, and they started talking, and he's they were talking about like, hey man, you did it right with Disney, like you you prepared for the future, and and scale and getting things ready, and he goes, I don't think we got that, and so um, he's just like, hey, do you think you know, do you think you guys could buy us, you know? And so there's a lot that goes into it. You have like monopoly issues, and then there was. There was another a offer for Comcast. Yeah. For Comcast again, and eventually they 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 made the deal. Basically, what he wanted was he wanted to trade his stocks for Disney stocks. Yes, and he knew if he could do that, you know, that would solidify his family's history. Like, boy, this will make this a super company. I mean, how many companies can you like 
name that have as much content as Disney now. They've just bought yeah. all these universes. Fox has been around since basically the beginning of movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge catalog that they have now. Yeah. I mean, they bought the company for $71 billion. I mean, you thought like, oh yeah, Marvel, Pixar, like that's a fraction yes. of what you're getting with. I mean, thinking of all the X-Men movies. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. The Fantastic Four, no. Yeah, no. those were how about great. You just, all th- how about just Simpsons? All like, that's oh, huge. Simpsons is huge. Yeah, that's, that's a huge acquisition right there, especially as they go on to streaming. And this was a big push for him where he's like, this is the future. We have to get our content around the world, and this is how it's done. You see Netflix, and Netflix builds their business model and getting money like Disney does, but it's like, but we have content. They have to produce it. We have it, and we're going to go forward. So we had really sell, like, hey, we're going to take some hits trying to get this this going. And this is, I mean, it came out at just the right time yep. of the pandemic. And yes. getting in people's mm-hmm. mind of, like, oh, turn on my TV. There's Disney+. Plus. Okay, there's, there's, oh, I need something that makes me feel good. How about we go on The Simpsons? Oh, let's watch a Disney movie, like, Families don't have to buy a library of DVDs. Yes. They can just turn on Disney Plus for like whatever amount. I don't even know what it is anymore. But or just give the remote to your kid. And almost. they could just yeah. scroll through and they could pick what they want, and you'll yes. get new stuff, new content all the time. It's one thing that TV like shows. will make Disney Plus last forever is their library. Yeah, because it's not like Netflix is where like a lot of their big names aren't their own no and eventually those will go away they whereas like disney disney has it's uh, all oh, their oh. own and that's where they're like we're pulling our content from other people where we make yep. money and it's like we have to store it here and we have to make our own money off of distributing it but then we're in the streaming war this is the golden age right now though we're in the wars i wouldn't say the golden age but it's like we're getting a lot of content right now yes like it's it's like you turn on anything. It's like oh I've got. I mean everyone I talk to has like four streaming services at least. Mm-hmm. Like oh did you watch this on this? You watch this? Like they're just all coming out. And you're like stuff. oh what oh have you seen this show? And you're like what streaming service? That's that is now part of our lingo. It's and like cable doesn't. Is, cable's dying. Oh it's, it's dying. And that, like people are negotiating. Yeah. Like they're like please we want your show. And like now nah, we're good. Yeah, it's like your yeah. generation of cable watchers are going to die off. Like. Mm-hmm. New generation watches everything on their phone or on their laptop, and so you know that finishes off Bob Iger's like period. I mean, he did his big thing in the park was he made Shanghai Disney was his baby. He started yep. off yep. the company with doing being COO um, was getting it started. He started from start to finish. Took twenty years. That was gonna be his big farewell was Shanghai, yeah. but then. The Fox deal was happening, and so then he got... He had to just fine-tune a few things, and, you know, the pandemic was like, okay, we'll help you a little bit, and then he just, like, I have to walk away. I could tell, like, when I saw that, like, when he he made the announcement that he was stepping down right in the start of the pandemic, I could tell that was a a move on his behalf being like, I don't want to be associated with this, with the Disney company, because he, I think he knew. But he was going to make a hit. There's austerity issues. You're gonna have to cut things, and you don't want to be the guy that cuts things. Yep. And he's just like, so, I bought all this stuff for you. Gonna look pay for all of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then now, cheap hack. 
Yeah, paycheck. But that's another paycheck. Name. Yes, paycheck. that's right. Paycheck. Paycheck. Chapek. <laughs> that is a great name for him. That is a great name. Oh, is it Friday? Oh, I'll get my paycheck. Paycheck Chapek. That is that is that is his name. What was uh, Eisner came out with a quote about Chapek and it says, "I'm a big fan of Disney. I'm a fan of both Bobs. Yes, I hired Chapek." Is he the same executive as I am, or Bob Iger is, or anybody? Uh, question mark, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you at the end, yes. He's like uh, you at the end. He is his own guy. He's very good with, uh, he's very good at Disney when I was there. Uh, he took Many our... <laughs> moons ago. Back in the days. Uh... He took our home video business from a rental to sell-through business. That was very risky. He did a very good job in the parks. I am a shareholder, and I think he's doing it. I think he's going to do it very well. I believe in it because my money's tied up in it. <laughs> money is what we believe in when it's worth. <laughs> and if we believe that Disney's worth something... It's worth something to him. He can yeah. he can cash that in in his retirement. It was a recent quote he did. So. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. So we'll wrap this up. You know, a legacy is what you know. You think what you've done and what you bring to the future. Um, you know, we look at everybody. They they get the ball rolling. You know, they hurt something, but it does get the ball rolling in the right direction. And you know, yeah, we can knock and look back and like, oh, these guys hurt us here, but it's like the company's here. Right. And as quick moving as this world is it's still here we still get you know Walt's dream of like beautiful content animation mm -hmm. um, yeah I mean that's that's you know Bob said it's crazy he goes I'm blown away by the thought of being a kid watching Wonderful World of Color and Davy Crockett and here I am I'm you know in charge of it all like and I imagine everybody thought that when they were taking over from Walt. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in his shoes. That's amazing. And so, you know, these CEOs, I mean, they've done great things. And you can marvel at it. Um, or you can watch Marvel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's, you know, I, 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 I really appreciated learning about these men and their accomplishments. And I'm, I'm glad that we do have what we have once you start digging into what what has gone in the past. Mm -hmm. So um, that completes our episode. Um, please uh, follow us on our social medias. Peter's got a, a wonderful Twitter that he's doing. Yes. Where it's a uh, uh, fact of the day. Yes, I'm doing this day in Disney history. So it's just a random fact for that day. As well as, you know, I feel as, in my opinion, as important Disney news that might happen. Not the, like... Animal Kingdom got its fourth garbage can. No, it's a look at this new Instagram cupcake yeah. that they're releasing this week. No, oh, not. the figment bucket. The seven hour wait for a figment bucket. Yes. yes, I did not post that in there. But I did post about uh, Tim Allen returning as the Santa Claus. Oh, I yes. heard about that. So oh, it's going to so. be good. Well, something to talk about next Christmas. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or the following Christmas. Yeah, the following. Um, but. Uh, what else do we've got? And it's social media. Follow us on that. And um, please reach out to us on any of those. We like getting suggestions for episodes. We have taken suggestions from people just on questions that they have. And we've answered them or talked about them. So with that being said, Avita Zing.
Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Matterhorn Yodelers. Please remember before your bobsled comes to a complete stop to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And remember... Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor.